Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Dr. Heather Penny is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and my, my mentor, my coach. So today we're continuing with our series called Grace Space. Be sure to go back and listen or watch our past episodes to learn how to demonstrate demonstrate grace in every circumstance. Today we're on part three and we're going to discuss receptivity versus defensiveness. So Heather, if someone is just starting to follow us or just joining this series, can you give a brief introduction to what grace space is? Yeah, it's a term I started using quite a bit with my work and my clientele because, you know, you've heard the term safe space. Mm -hmm. But what I began to realize is safe space kind of connotes this idea that the world is harsh and violent and all we have to do is kind of huddle up and into these little safe spaces everywhere. And I don't think that's, although that, that might be some value there. And I, I think there's some truth there to be honest. I don't think it really empowers the individual to step into the life that they want to, to step into and really offer a positive contribution to this world. And so gray space, I feel like is this next level that says, we don't have to go around creating safe spaces as much as we, I think a higher level is going around and creating grace spaces. Mm -hmm. And in this idea of grace, I'm using the word kind of the basic definition of it is to be considerate, to be thoughtful, to, to respect one another's positioning and to kind of invite people into an open dialogue and the sense of, I care about you and I know you care about me and I think we can find a bridge together. So you can see how that's a much higher level thinking Mm -hmm. to be a part of a grace space versus a, just a safe space. So as I started working with this, I saw seven main points of how we create grace space, just so we know what we're, we're talking about. So yeah, today I'm, I'm excited to talk about the third one, which is um, the receptivity versus defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing the words receptivity and defensiveness, it has me putting up walls because... <laughs> They mean that a potential or an ongoing conflict is at hand. After all, we don't use these words in simple conversation like, what should we have for dinner? You know, I'm receptive to fried chicken any night. <laughs> so do you think people in general know how to disagree or fight properly? Um, is it our words or our attitudes that need help when conflict arises? Well... I'm sorry, Christina. You got me thinking about fried chicken now. <laughs> I was like, ooh, do you have a good recipe? Yeah, that's how my mind works. So hang on. I'm catching up. You have me lost your fried chicken. See, we're receptive <laughs> to fried chicken. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's that last part of the, of the question after the fried chicken. <laughs> so do, do you think people in general know how to disagree or fight properly? I mean, that determines whether we're receptive or whether we're defensive? Is it our words or our attitudes that cause the, these responses? Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I think there's this basic core belief that you can take into this world, and this is something I've seen um, in my kids as a parenting. You can actually believe that the world is against you or the world is, is interested in you. Mm -hmm. And you can see that if you go into the world kind of positioning for yourself for who's going to get me next or who's against me next, it creates a very defensive posturing. Certainly there's people out there to get you. I'm not going to say there isn't, but it's much less than I think we realize. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And if we can step in the world saying who's out there to listen to me, to be on my team, to support me, you can see that that's actually the relationships and the conversations will start cultivating. So kind of your basic core belief of what you think and what you believe about the world can actually influence <laughs> a more yeah. receptive world or a more defensive world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think of receptivity and defensiveness, I think my responses are also based on two basic things. Who's bringing up the confrontation and the topic itself. For example, um, my husband can tell me, hey, Christina, this month is going to be a little bit tight. Can you watch our spending? And I'm like, sure. Okay. Because I know that he wants what's best for our family and he's just helping us, helping our family. Now, let's say I'm having a girl's night out and I want a pair of shoes and my friend says, are you sure you want to buy those? Those are a little expensive for you. Now I'm going to get ticked off. So are those like two basic things, confrontation, who's bringing it up and the topic, or are there other things also that make us respond differently to these? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I like that thought. So I think people have to earn the right to speak into your life right? Mm -hmm. So let's just take your husband's example there. There's a higher level of trust there. There's a high level of partnership there. So there's a trust that you both have developed in your partnership. And so when he speaks into your life and and talks to you about something about the finances, you're going to receive that. It's going to be a receptive thought to you. But someone who has not earned the right to speak into your life, you're going to be defensive and that's appropriate. Um, But if you were to say to your friend, hey, my husband asked me not to spend any more money. Help me with this. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Right. That's a receptivityness that you're inviting that friend into. And so now you have the ability to be receptive to it. However, if you have not invited your friend into that and she just volunteers that, you know, that's where you start creating this defensiveness. And I think it's, it's appropriate and it's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So when we talk about these gray spaces, I don't want to say that receptivity is good. Defensiveness is bad. It's just that if you want to grow more grace space, you're growing a receptivity and relationships that are helping you be more of a receptive person versus a defensive one. So let's go back to your friend. Uh If she were to um, recognize that she's putting you on the defense, then that would be a healthy relationship. But if she doesn't recognize that and doesn't care and thinks she has the right or entitled to say these things, you want to take some steps back because there's a, there's a lack of respect or trust there and it hasn't been earned. Mm-hmm. So then the receptivity and the receptiveness of her comments aren't going to be welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that help? Yeah, actually, uh, another thing came up this morning and it was making me think about it. Uh, so my husband said, Hey, can you strip the beds, uh, our kids beds, and then I'll wash the sheets and make them. And I'm like, got totally defensive saying, I'm working, you have today off. And I had to step back and think, why am I so ticked off? All he said was, can you strip the beds and I'll do the rest. But it was because of my own, it's my own issue of insecurity because all this time I'm like, I'm working. But for so long, I was just a blogger and people said, oh, you got paid for that? You get paid to do that? Or what do you do at home? You're just raising your kids because I would be a stay-at-home mom and then at night I would work. And so I was invalidated for so long that when he said, hey, we stripped the beds, I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is my work day. And so that was my issue of defensiveness. So I thought that was so interesting that that came up this morning. 
That's a great example. And a way to handle that in order for you to create that gray space and be receptive is you did it great. You checked your own heart, you checked your own mind, your own beliefs, and then um, you could check it with your husband. Hey, I started feeling defensive about this. Can I check this with you? Mm-hmm. And he can, you know, knowing, knowing your husband and um, I'm even thinking about my husband. Yeah. These poor guys, they, they get our, <laughs> they get our baggage sometimes because yes. we're like, what, you know, you know, don't confuse me for being a stay at home mom when I'm trying to actually run a company here, but our learning how to kind of check that and own some of these false beliefs or these lack of uh, validation or affirmation and not putting it on him is a really important way to do a receptive grace space. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I must've had a busy morning because I was on Facebook before this call and, <laughs> um, and it's, like the election, things are unknown right now as we're recording this. And someone wrote, um, no matter what happens, Jesus is king. And then another person wrote, how dare you say that? That's horrible because you're invalidating the experiences of people who are hurt by this administration. And then a third person piped in and said, I don't think that's what they meant. They just meant God's in control. We can't put our trust in man. So it's so interesting how some people are receptive, some are defensive, and we're all looking through a different filter. So I don't even know the person who wrote Jesus is King, but it depends on our experiences with religion, with politics and all of that, and whether we've been hurt or not. And so how do we work in this world that's very defensive? Yeah, it's so true. And you, let's just get a couple things straight here. Social media, one-sided conversation, and then having a one-sided conversation about two really um, loaded areas of religion and politics. <laughs> right? No idea, everybody. Can I just say that for the record? Can we stop talking about these loaded topics on a one-sided social media platform? Right. So let's agree on that. But I see what you're saying. Um, why waste your time and emotional energy to, to step into a defensive space when you could engage a receptive space. If I saw that, I would just keep scrolling past it Hmm. because I'm only interested in participating in receptive conversations. And clearly I'm going to be um, attacked or um, confronted or challenged at times in life. And so when it comes at me, I'll deal with it but I'm not going to volunteer for it. (laughs) That's, That's what I'm kind of confused about watching our world going. Why are you so committed to these defensive conversations when you actually could be about a receptive conversation? Mm-hmm. So stop, stop raising your hand in the front row, so to speak, saying, pick me, pick me. I want to mm-hmm. I wanna have a conflict with you. That's the silliest thing I, I, I think I'm seeing with our humanity right now. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just ignore these things and go join the conversations that are happening out there that are beautiful and amazing and um, inspiring us to move humanity forward. They're all over the place. But part of being um, a person who's committed to this grace space and specifically receptivity is kind of just being very selective about the conversations you're joining. Mm-hmm. I don't join any conversations and volunteer for them, especially if it's one-sided on social media. And people will come at me on social media. Why would I engage with it? I have no interest in that. I have no interest in engaging with someone who wants to put me on the defense. Mm-hmm. So with my whole standard with 
the way I show up as a human being in our society and our world and the relationships is if you want to be receptive to a conversation, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you believe. It really doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm interested. And if you're interested in what I have to believe, it's going to be an awesome conversation. But if you're only interested in declaring your point of view and you have zero interest in my point of view, it's not a conversation. And I think that's what the world is confused and social media has not helped it because they have kept us in our silos (laughs) and that they've kept us in these defensive postures, which is not realistic. It's not a realistic conversation. It's not a realistic or authentic relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of ridiculousness that's keeping us kind of thwarted (laughs) as human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's hard to watch is we've let go of some of our humanity and remembering that it doesn't matter what we believe. We all have some common um, universal connections, things like everybody believes in the need for love. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a basic thing. You can always find a common place to connect with somebody regardless of some of these loaded topics. And the fact that we've gotten so defensive about it, it's stopped the conversation. So all it is, is that people living in this defensive space. So the antithesis of grace space would be like a, a shame space. Shame on you for thinking that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was thinking that like the opposite of grace space would be shame game, you know? So we were yes. talking about like your worksheet, it says grace is the quality or state of being considerate or thoughtful, courteous, goodwill, or a willingness to be fair and honest. And so it seems like the opposite would be shaming to put yourself first and to say what's best for me and not consider the other person. And so like if it seems like if you live by this definition it should eliminate the second half of this top this topic defensiveness. If we lived in grace, we wouldn't have to be defensive because we wouldn't feel like somebody's attacking us. So, how can we bring more grace into our workspaces and our homes? How do we model this? Well, I'm sorry that I just have to back up a second. That's an awesome connection you just made. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun that we're both on the same page with it. Yeah. It's probably why we're such great friends. Yes. <laughs> because there's this awareness that we don't want to be a part of the shame space. Uh-huh. And I think then to follow up with your question of how do we participate in it, it's exactly that. The clarity of this is a shame relationship or a shame conversation, and this is a grace relationship or great grace uh, conversation. That simple awareness allows you to be very selective. Mm-hmm. I'm just not interested in joining any conversation. It says shame on you for thinking this way. Shame on you for believing this. Why in the world would I put myself through it? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, emotionally antagonistic and harassing. Mm-hmm. Worse, why would we do that to each other? So there's not this boundary for this clarity to say, I want to be a part of a grace conversation. So what happens is because we don't have this clarity on a grace conversation and there's people going around shaming, what do we do? We become defensive. We Mm -hmm. join that shaming conversation and then we actually start doing it ourselves because we think that's what it means to have conflict. And I want to say we can have conflict in a space of grace. Mm -hmm. We could be open and honoring, um, what each other is thinking, their historical context for why they believe what they believe, that we can do better mm-hmm. <laughs> at stepping into that. And I think a lot of people just begin to react to the shame. And so that conversation grows. The moment people realize their power 
to stop a shame conversation by simply not joining it and literally turning around, whether it's social media or actually face-to-face in the workplace or in your neighborhood or wherever it is, um, you become known for someone that doesn't like the shame conversations and actually only participates in the grace conversations. Mm-hmm. And you, you begin to develop a language. You know, I'll say things like, yeah, I'm not interested in, in having that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm actually directly confronted with it, I'm like, I don't see how that's helpful. I don't see how that's solution oriented. These are some phrases I will use to stop the conversation, even down to the point where I've said, yeah, I'm actually going to disengage because this is not, this is not helping either of us or this isn't helping the, the space that we want to create for our people or our team or the relationships that we're trying to occur. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you have to recognize is if people are not committed to that grace space with you, you can't hold it alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the cool thing is a lot of times when I've stopped it, people have gone, yeah, I don't want this either. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I don't want to be about shame on you. Why do you think this? Why do you believe this? So a lot of times it's really cool. It's kind of like I'm giving people an option when I say, hey, you know what? I need to stop this conversation because I'm not interested in being told I can't believe something. Um, I want to feel respected for what I believe, but I want you to know that I'm committed to respecting you. Mm -hmm. I'll say that directly and I'll hear people go, oh, yeah, I want to be part of that conversation. I'm like, who doesn't? That's so (laughs) ironic. I'm sorry. That's so ironic because they're being... They're putting you on the defense. And then when you confront them, then they become receptive. Yes. So it's a complete 180, which is so interesting that they would be receptive when they're putting you on the defense. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But I don't think people realize that, that there's another option. So it's like they, they get sucked into the tide and you can, you can grow shame or you can grow grace. You can grow receptivity or you can grow defensiveness. People don't realize their power with that. And I think that's what I'm calling people out. Let's, let's all get better at growing our receptivity. Let's get better at growing that. Let's recognize our role in shutting down the shame and the shame spaces or anything that's created defensiveness. It's doing no good and only harming our society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a good point. You work with a lot of teams, and it seems like the people who make us feel defensive are the loudest and cause us to spend the most energy on them, worrying or coming up with arguments or having to build the courage to speak out against them. Do you think most people are receptive and just the defensive people are loud and it feels like there's so many? Or like, are most people re- re- um, receptive and are kind and do show grace? What do you think? Yeah, sometimes those loud, shame-based thinkers and accusers kind of um, can control the environment. You're right on. I think a strong leader, or if it's not in the leadership realm, a strong human being Mm -hmm. can see it and can confront it. It becomes Mm -hmm. this almost this righteous indignation of saying, "No, not not on my watch. You don't get to do that to my team. You don't get to do that to Mm -hmm. me." Mm -hmm. And I think that's. If I ever feel, quote, defensive, that's kind of why I'm saying, yeah, let's not put them in the good or bad category. Mm -hmm. But if I ever get defensive, it's defensive for my people, my team, my Mm -hmm. family, anyone who wants to shame my kids, who they want to shame um, my my husband, my friends, my beliefs. Well, I'm not going to sit there and be receptive. I'm going to say, we're done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this isn't helping. Um, And I teach leaders that. 
we get to stay open and receptive until someone is antagonistic and they want to change the culture or the conversation into shame. A good leader stops and recognizes that quickly. Mm-hmm. And I like how you said, like I did, I thought, okay, being receptive is good and defensive is bad. But like you just said, like, you can be defensive about the right things mm-hmm. and you don't have to just roll over and be receptive. You don't have to let them take your power. And so that's, that's new. That's eye opening for me. Isn't that cool? And it, it helps you feel like I get to be a receptive person, but when I need to be defensive, I'm doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've literally stood up in a group and I have said, I've had to shut down kind of this conversation in a professionally respectful way. I'm saying, okay, this line of question isn't helping the room. Mm. This isn't helping the team. I need us to pivot to a better question. So I'll say it really directly because that's my role as the leader or Mm. the coach or the consultant when I'm in the room is to keep the conversation on a gray space. So I have no problem addressing it. It's just you have to recognize that you have the power to shift the conversation, but you also want to be very protective. If you're the one in control, you're always monitoring, are we staying in the gray space? So that's why I wanted to really delineate this and kind of draw it out of, well, what does it really mean with gray space? And the idea of clarity, confidence, courage, and what I offer, I'm like, the clearer you are on gray space, the more protective you're going to be of it, and the more you're going to be able to contribute to it. But more importantly, the more you're going to see those who want to sabotage it, and you'll know Mm -hmm. what to say. You know, when I'm in a room and I see an individual, especially when I'm in my coaching, world and I'm working with teams and I see an individual who wants to sabotage the grace. Yeah. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to handle it mm-hmm. because the team needs me to do that as a leader. And they're, they're aching for someone to create a yeah. grace space. They don't realize it, but they want to be able to say what they want to think. And I don't want an emotional bully in the room <laughs> saying you're not allowed to think that because mm-hmm. what happens, the whole room just goes quiet and they get intimidated by one person. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to feel the shame. So, and the cool thing too is, you know, I really have compassion for some of these individuals who are spouting shame because what does it mean? They've been given shame. Mm-hmm. So if they're willing to see it, I love working with them and I will, I will work with them really carefully and I'll say, listen, your leadership presence and voice is destructive in this room. Are you interested in a better way? Because you have the power to do something different. And it's really cool when mm-hmm. someone says, Yes, but I don't even know what that is. I said, don't worry, we'll figure it out together and I'll show you another way. So I'm committed to that. And that again, goes back to receptivity. I'm receptive to anyone who's receptive. Mm -hmm. But if they say, no, I don't want what you have to offer. I want to live in this shame space and that's all I want to offer. Well, you can see that that's not going to work for me or for the team and frankly for themselves. They just don't realize it yet. Do you think most of the people who are shaming others, do they realize what they're doing or is this just them spewing out whatever comes to mind. Do they know that they're hurting others? I would say, honestly, let's throw them a bone. I think most of them don't realize it. Mm-hmm. I think most of them just were treated that way. So my job as a leader is to offer them a better way. Um, as a friend in my personal world, it's to say, hey, have you thought about offering it this way? If we have a high trust level, they're thanking me for it. And I've had friends do it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll call me out in some ways and I go, wow, thank you for taking the time to tell me because I care what you think and I'm a better person because you spent the time to, to just let me know that, hey, this didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So I think 
how we stay receptive to those people around us that are committed to grace is how we grow. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to be receptive to those who are committed to a shame-based. You know, we want to be more defensive. So going back to there's a time to be defensive, except if we live only in that defensiveness, we create a shame-based culture and a shame-based conversation. Mm-hmm. And it seems like when people are shaming others, it's to build themselves up. It's their own insecurity and they don't have their own clarity. So it goes back to your three C's also where they're unhealthy. And so we need to show them grace because like you said, they've been shamed, they're broken, and that's why they act the way they do. Yes. yes. And by showing them grace, then, I mean, you're living it out. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. In reality, we've all done it. We've all shamed. We've all participated on the other side of the coin that we shouldn't be doing, you know? And, right. and I think, it, again, you're giving yourself grace to grow. You want to give other people grace to grow. Mm-hmm. So... That's all the time we have for today. What? We're done already? I can't believe it. <laughs> I know. Thank you. This has been eye-opening. As always, I always go, oh, I always have an aha moment. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Oh, defensiveness can be positive. I always thought, okay, you need to be receptive, but you can be defensive and have that power to defend yourself. You know, I always, I'm a fight or flight, and usually I I flee. (laughs) And so I, you're teaching me how to fight and stand up for myself and say, no, that's not okay. Because usually I just run away and cower in the corner and go, okay, you can't hurt me anymore. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to be a part of it, but it's like, then they're going to keep doing it and they're not going to see anything wrong. And so it's okay to say, to stand up for yourself and to say, no, that's not okay. You can't treat people like that. Oh, that's great. That's a great aha moment. And honestly, one word comes to my mind, boundaries. Yeah. That's what helps you stay in that space. Defensiveness done in a, a healthy way is, is good boundaries. Yeah. And it's hard because I'm such a people pleaser. So right. it's like, you don't have to please everybody. I know. It's been my journey too, Christina. Yeah. This is going to be a long journey. Okay. This is podcast number uh, 19 out of I, 384. I Yeah. Put a note down there about boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to need a lot more podcasts. So So join us next time when we address the next topic in Grace Space, constructive language versus destructive language. Please subscribe to the Heather Penny podcast. And for questions, comments, and resources, visit heatherpenny.com. Remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day. And we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thanks, Heather. You're welcome. Take care, everyone.